Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right, so I want to welcome everyone to the New Work Revolution podcast here on NewWorkRevolution.com. This is your host, Brandon Allen. I'm really excited about today's show. Today I have Michael Alden on, and based on the feedback that I got from the last time we had Michael on, uh, I think you guys are going to be really excited to hear that he is with us again. As you remember last time, we interviewed him about the book 5% More. Michael has his hands in a number of different businesses, uh, got his start in marketing, has a lot to offer that way, and we're going to be specifically talking today about the book, Blueprint to Business, which uh, I actually really like this title. As you guys know, who've been listening to my podcast for a long time, we our consulting company used to be called The Business Blueprint. So blueprint to business uh business blueprint it sounds like a match made in heaven so i'm really excited about that so michael uh thank you for being with us today thank you so much for having me it's uh like somewhat serendipitous with that title huh i know it really is i got excited when i saw the book cover and the title <laughs> i love it i love it cool awesome yeah. well thanks for, thanks for having me back i'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah, absolutely. So, look, this is always the first question I like to ask when it comes down to talking about a book. Why did you write this book? Why this book? Yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of an interesting thing how this book happened. Like 5% more, I didn't really have a plan or idea really or a vision, like all that stuff that you need, right? I didn't have any of that stuff for this book, but... Um, what happened was, uh, in, and I'm sitting here in, in my production studio, in my radio studio here at Blue Vase, and uh, I had a mentor of mine, and he, and he and to my left is a, is a television studio, and he came in, he was checking it all out. We only use it once in a while when, we're, when we produce commercials, right? And he's like, well, what are you using this, um, what, what are you using the radio studio for? And I said, well, you know, we use it just for doing voiceover work. And, and he said, well, you know what you should do? You should create a podcast, <laughs> right? So uh, I did that three years ago, right? And I was learning from even guys like you and a bunch of other people just kind of trying to look at what other people were doing. And I talk about how to duplicate success uh, in the book. And then what I started to do is I started to talk about subjects that were important to me that I felt as though that people really weren't talking about in a way that, that, that was relatable, in a way that was honest, in a way that was also somewhat irreverent and even raw. Uh, and so a lot of those topics and, and how this book kind of started was me literally on the microphone just riffing. And then I said, man, I wonder what it would look like if I took all that stuff after a, a couple of years, if I take all that stuff and I put it in a book format and let's see what that looks like. And then from there, you know, it just kind of turned into what it is today. And we, I mean, we, did a, we did a ton of editing. We cut out probably half of the half of the, the amount of words that are that are in there to create what it is today. And I'm really happy with it because it is honest. It is it, it is real. Um, and it's and it's something that you know whether you are an entrepreneur thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or even just you know a, you know a stay at home mom. Um, the blueprint of business uh, methodologies and the things that are in there can really help anybody. So. Specifically, when you wrote this book, what kind of person did you have in mind? I, I bet there was a muse or some sort of inspiration that, that helped kind of bring this together beyond just the recording and riffing in the studio. What, what's the, what's the, the ideal person that you have in mind that, that's going to get the most benefit from reading this? I mean, it's funny you say that. It's actually, um, there's a couple different uh, 
uh, people that I had in mind, okay? The first person that I had in mind, and you're probably, this is probably going to throw you for a loop. The first person that I had in mind was the type of people that are out there on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, that are out there trying to teach people how to be successful, and they've never been successful at anything in their life. Drives me crazy, right? These people are like, oh, hey, I'm going to teach you how to run a business, or I'm going to show you how to, have a, how to have a millionaire mindset, and they've never even made a million dollars, okay? Those are the guys that were driving me crazy, and they're everywhere. And, and, the, and the problem with that is, is that you have people that are yearning for real information and real knowledge, and, and, and they, want, you know, they want to start a business. They want an entrepreneurial lifestyle, and then they go to the guys like I'm just talking about, guys that have never done anything, and they buy their webinar, or they go on their website, and they go through their sales funnel, and they spend all this money, and they're really not getting anything that's other than like cookie-cutter bullshit. Like, this is real stuff. So those are the first guys that really I started to really kind of get annoyed with. And then I started to think about the latter, the other guy that I was just talking about, the guy that's yearning for the information. Like they want real information about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, what it's like to, you know, to get, I mean, I was just talking about this. I get kicked in the stomach like almost every day in business and it hurts. And, and, and you need to have to figure it out as an entrepreneur. Like when you're, when, you know, when you're going through hell, you need to kind of figure out like how do I get through it rather than just sitting there. Winston Churchill kind of said something like that during World War II. So the, the, the person that I'm really thinking about is someone that wants real stuff. Like guys like me that have, that have done it. Like my book isn't just about the, the things that I've done, but it's also about other entrepreneurs that I know are real. And I just... I feel like there's a lot of dishonesty out there. There's a lot of people that are out there that are also showing this, creating this, these images of, you know, they're in rented Ferraris and rented mansions. And they're, well, they, there's a classic one. What they'll do is they'll go to Airbnb, right? So they'll go to Airbnb and they rent a, quote, mansion for the weekend. And then all of a sudden they're out there, you know, like as if they, they own the house. And that, that stuff drives me crazy. I'm as real as it gets. And I want people to understand that it's not always perfect. It's not always pretty. Um, but it can it can't happen if you if you put real strategies in place. Yeah, I love that. I really resonate with that. I hate to see information that's presented out in the marketplace in an inauthentic way that doesn't really allow people to see the reality behind what has really been created. And and just even like a really popular example of this, uh, this happened to be the book Four Hour Workweek came out at a time that I was working with a client uh, and a partner on their own uh, New York Times best-selling book project. And so I laugh at the four-hour work week, and I, I love Tim Ferriss, and this is no disrespect to him, but he did not work four hours a week putting that book together. I'm going to tell you that right now. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people read stuff like that, and they think, oh, there's shortcuts. And what I love about the book is that, you let people know there aren't shortcuts, there are, there's work to be done, and it's not always going to be pretty. Yeah, you know, so I'm, it's funny. Tim just had his, book, his other book come out, and he sold 30,000 copies. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm glad his book came out a week after mine because he's just a rock star in, in the world yeah. of publishing now with now probably five, uh, well, actually now five New York Times bestsellers, right? So, but here's the thing. You're right. The four-hour work week, uh, I don't want to call it deceptive. Um, but it, it's it's more of the the overarching principles of the four hour work week and, and kind of like his um, you know philosophical beliefs on how your life should be you know led and or, or, the, or the type of life that you want to have. So you know he's like, hey, there are certain things you can cut out of your life and you can become more efficient and things like that. So yeah, the four hour work week, nobody's working four hours, and you know 
there is no secret, right? There's nothing new in the world of success. Um, there's no new pill. There's no new technology. I don't care what's happening in, the, in this world of disruption. Everything is the same. And so you, you just, in, in my book, Blueprint to Business, is really just kind of a lot of like my interpretation of a lot of the things that I've learned throughout the years throughout and studying truly successful people. So, yeah, I mean, you got, look, here's the secret. You, you got to work your fucking ass off. <laughs> That's it. Show's over. <laughs> there you go. Well, look, that's it, right? And and you know that the four hour work week isn't true when uh, each one of Tim Ferriss's podcasts are four hours. So um, you know, th- th- there you go. So um, uh, you know, so l- l- let's talk about this. I want to get into this. There's a couple things that, and, and guys, as we talk through this, I mean, look, we're not going to get to every single thing in the book, but I, there's a couple of things that I think will be really relevant to my particular listeners. Uh, that I want to camp on. One thing that you talk about that I think is so important is the the risk, you know, to mitigate the risk that, look, there's always some inherent risk in business because you're you're testing something that's not known to the marketplace sometimes. You're putting yourself out there in a new way. But I love how you talk about mitigating risk. So talk to us about, you know, your philosophy on that, why that's so important, because I see so many business owners who recklessly spend money to get a venture started and then they end up in bankruptcy shortly thereafter and they're teaching other people how to uh, build a business in this reckless manner. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's like Jordan Belfort out there. He teaches, he's out there teaching people how to be uh, successful in a quote ethical way. It's like right on his website. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like really? Right. Like Jordan Belfort, you know? So um, yeah, so look, you know, everything, there's a risk in everything. And, and you know, um, the, the biggest risk really is not taking one. So I've always kind of learned and lived by that philosophy, right? When you, when you look at, um, there was a study uh, conducted when they, when they talked to people that were older, like in their 80s, and they, you know, asked them a bunch of different questions. And one of the questions that really kind of really jumped out at me, and um, Marshall Goldsmith was on my podcast, he was the one that told me this. And when, when you talk to old people and they say, you know, you know, what do you regret and things like that? And they say, well, look, we don't regret the risks that we took and failed. We, re- we regret the risk that we failed to take. Okay, so there's always risk in everything, but there are certain ways you can mitigate risk. And, and one of the things I say in the book is try to look into the future. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, try and think about like the worst case scenario, like what could possibly happen? And also, not only worst case scenario, like what could happen if things go wrong, but what's going on right now in your business, in your environment, and maybe like, you know, what do you think, where do you think it's going? And so when you're trying to build your business, try and have some foresight to think about where it might go. So that way there you can be able to pivot and make a decision. Now it's never going to be perfect. Um, you know, and then here's another thing too, like there's a great book called um, The 10% Entrepreneur. And, and and so a lot of people, like you mentioned, they they just go all in and they jump into a business and you know they're just so passionate about it, but they're blinded by their passion when they're not really asking themselves the difficult questions. And this book, The Ten Percent Entrepreneur, he talks a little bit about. I think his name's Patrick McGinnis. Talk about like, look, if you have a job like most people do, and you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to start a business or have this you know quote side hustle whatever it is, you could do it slowly. Right? You can start to like build the business. You can build your website. You can do the research at night. You can work weekends. You can, you know, you can, uh, you know, do all these things after hours until you get to a point where that new business or that thing that you quote might be passionate about is actually making you money. It's paying your bills and it's going to allow you to sustain the lifestyle. See, I've made 
those bad decisions like you talk about where I just went all in on in some businesses because I was so passionate about it but I was I, I was just blinded by by my passion and my and just my naive understanding of what the world is really like and it did cause me to to to, to declare bankruptcy once so um, there is a way to mitigate risk and you know look try and look into the future um, put together a plan right and the other thing too is just, you know, as far when you're looking at businesses, and I talk about this, and specifically about the business that caused me to, to declare bankruptcy, is when you're looking at a business, try and look at what other people are doing. Russell Brunson, I think you know who he is, right? He's got um, he's got uh, this thing called ClickFunnels, and he talks about he calls it funnel hacking, and he does a very good job of basically saying that he is. He says he's not copying other people's websites or other people's models, but he really is. He's modeling their models. And so what what he's saying is, and there's nothing wrong with what he's saying. He does a fantastic job of trying to you know explain it to people like, hey, I'm not ripping people off. He's not. What he's doing is, is he's duplicating success. So whatever right. business you're in, take a look at what somebody else is doing and do the same thing. Just make it your own and try to do it better. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Look, I mean, I, I think there's a when, – when we think about there are no new ideas. You know, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3,000 years ago, there's nothing new under the sun. It was true then. It's true today. And But we can learn and we can take inspiration from other, you know, other people, other things that we're seeing to – speed up our chances of success. I totally agree with that. So I want to talk about taking action. So one of your chapters is take action and getting it, you know, what gets in people's way. Now, a question that I have about this is from a mindset or philosophy standpoint, what typically gets in people's way from really taking action? What, what's What's the mindset that, that really prevents people from taking action and the people that you've talked with? Well, it's a lot of different things, right? So, you know, one of the things, I don't even, th- I don't even know if I say this in Blueprint to Business, but, you know, fear, right? That's the big one, you know, and Zig Ziglar calls fear false evidence is appearing real, okay? So fear is a big one, but I, I, think, that, I think that fear um, is, is a good thing, right? A good thing is like, fear is like, hey, why? Well, it's your truly your inner instincts like saying, all right, well, what's going on here? Fight or flight, like, you know, I need to start thinking about this. So I don't think there's really anything wrong with fear. The other part is just straight up success. People are f- afraid uh, of success. And, 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 you know, but, but action, I think, here's the thing about it. So I break it down into a couple different ways, and I'm closing my eyes as I'm talking to you. One of them is, is visualization, right? So when I talk about action, whatever it is you're trying to do, I like to first kind of, like, truly visualize. Don't dream. I say dreaming's for sleeping. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a proponent of, of dreaming. Don't, don't, don't dream big. Let's do big. Let's think big, right? So let's, let's, let's literally close our eyes and visualize what it is you're trying to do, what it is you want to do, like truly go through the steps. You know, I just had a guy on my podcast yesterday, his name's Dan Coyle, and he wrote the book, um, The Talent Code, and, and it's a lot about athletics. And when you, when you, when you study um, the best athletes in the world, um, this is what they do. They, 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 they go through a visualization process of them literally going through the motions, like getting up to bat, World Series, bottom of the ninth, you know, tied up, and Manny Ramirez is at home plate with a man on first, you know, to win the game. Like they, they think about that and they visualize themselves actually doing it. So that's the first part. And then I think really where most people uh, suffer setbacks is the, is the physical side of it. They just don't do it. They just don't do it. And they just think it's going to happen. And that's where, you know, the, the, the kind of the, 
you know, where, where we really, there's no other way to describe it. People are just lazy, you know? So, so like, if you want to do something, it's not just going to happen. And I call it if I had a only syndrome, right? People look back and go back to what I talked about earlier, the, the people sitting on their porch or the older people and talking about risk. The other thing is it's called if I had a only syndrome. If I had only taken action and done that, um, this is what my life would look like. And it's really, really sad. So, that, so there's two things, right? It's the mental side of it and then it's the physical side of it. Now, here's the other thing. It's lack of understanding too, right? Like, so, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like I just mentioned Russell Brunson, right? Okay, so I'm a marketer. Uh, we have a big marketing company. We do a bunch of different things. Not that strong on the internet. We're just not. We do. We're we're more uh, of a of a television, radio, direct mail type company. Okay. Well, you know, we're we're pivoting. We're changing the way the way we do business. And believe it or not, I actually have another book uh, coming out on specifically on how to market books. Right. And I'm looking at Russell Brunson because he had a book called Dot Com Secrets, and I was looking at kind of like how he was doing it. I don't understand or didn't understand his funnel process. I've watched his videos. I'm a mar- I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm sure I do 10 times the amount of revenue than this guy does. But I didn't understand really what he was doing. I knew that he was successful. I knew that other authors were using his stuff. I'm like, man, let me learn about it. So I spent some time. I'm, I'm studying it. I have my people studying it and saying, all right, you know what? Let's use his stuff because we don't really understand it as, as well as he does, but it, what, it's, what we're doing is that we're taking action. You know, I'm visualizing it. I'm literally watching stuff. I'm literally thinking about how the process is going to work, and I'm like, all right, well, let's do it. Let's use his system, and let's move forward. It doesn't mean I need to use his system forever, but I am taking action, and here's the other part. It might not work. It just might, might totally fail, but how would you know if you don't try? Yeah, that's interesting. I really feel like people get really hung up on that. Number one, in the fear area, I always tell people, look, self-confidence doesn't have a lottery. It's not like one day your name is going to get picked and someone's going to call you and say, hey, John, congratulations, your self-confidence just came. We're going to have someone bring it over and deliver it to you, and you're going to be so good at uh, picking up women. You'll drive all the cars that you want to drive. Your life will be measurably different from now, you know, from here on out. But the the other space here is the contradiction that people have of, gosh, I would do that, but gosh, what if it doesn't work? And they they run in this hamster wheel of saying. You know, I, I, I don't have time for that, but boy, if I took time for that, it would save me time. Or, gosh, I'd, I'd love that lifestyle, but gosh, what if I try it and it doesn't work? And then they they don't understand how destructive and how much time they're wasting just sitting on that. I, Seth Godin does a, a great job in the book Lynchpin talking about shipping. And, you know, that was Steve Jobs' goal of at Apple was like, we need to ship a product. We need to get it out the door. Shipping is important, so how do I ship? And, you know, when I, when I read that, uh, you know, when I read that particular chapter, it, it really uh, resonated with me. So let me ask you about sales, right? Because that was the other thing about action. And when I think about action, I mean, look, look this is the biggest thing that I see getting people's way when I work with them. And, and, and the sales process is the biggest hang-up, right? So how did you get over the aversion to sales? How do you... How do you put yourself out there, whether it be selling vodka, you know, getting people involved in uh, your, your product company, like any of those kinds of things? Like how, do you, how did you overcome that? Yeah, you know, so 
I was very fortunate. Right out of um, college, uh, I saw a draw. I saw an ad in the paper for uh, car sales. It was four twenty-five a week, guaranteed pay plus a draw. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even know what a draw was. But no, excuse me, it was four twenty-five. Excuse me, four twenty-five a week, draw plus commission. Didn't even know what a draw was. Uh, I knew I wanted to go to law school, but I grew up poor. And I was still kind of poor because you know you're kind of poor in college. And so, um, you know, I took this job and it was the best, one of the best decisions uh, that I ever made. You know, I learned the sales process from one, from one of the most difficult sales environments there is. They say that it's like that and, you know, maybe uh, insurance are kind of like the two toughest ones because they just chew you up and spit you out. And, and, whether you, and if you stay, then, you, you know, then you're probably reasonably successful. So, you know, I learned like literally, you know, from, from the ground, like what it's like to be a salesperson in that difficult, you know, give and take of, you know, dealing with a customer and dealing with a sales manager and being, being the salesperson. But one of the things that I've learned throughout the years is that, you know, we're all salespeople and, and, and so many people like people, A, don't want to sell and, and also B, people don't want to be sold, but we're buying and selling all day long. You know, I get the, the most basic thing. It's like, you know, we are selling our children in the morning on why they need to get up and brush their teeth and get dressed and go to school. I mean, that's the most basic example of, of a sale happening. Or they're selling you on why they're not going to brush their teeth or why they don't want to get up or why they don't want to go to school. So once you really kind of understand that we are all selling, right, then it becomes, I think, a lot easier to fundamentally understand. And here's the other thing, too. Like, this world, man, since since I was last on your show, like, a year ago or whatever, I mean, the world has changed so much even since then. And, you know, you, in the world of disruption, I know this for a fact. No matter what happens, whatever whatever industry you're in, right? I was just, I was just at, uh, I have a Lexus, and I was just picking up my truck, and I was talking to the service guy about this is that every industry is being disrupted. There are business, there are, there are industries that are completely going away and there are industries that are starting and there are industries that are in their infancy that we can't even, even comprehend that will be happening within the next you know, couple of years, right? But here's one thing that I know will never, ever go away. We're always going to be buying things and we're always going to be selling things. And so you need to kind of figure out which side of it you need to be on. So if you want to be successful in life, you need to understand how, how to sell. You need to kind of figure that out. And, and so to me, that's like the aha moment that people really need to kind of like, te- te- you know, and say, all right, man, I, you know, I got to sell. Now, here's the thing. I get nervous, okay, uh, when I try and sell stuff. And I've been selling stuff my whole life. Uh, this book, I mean, I talked about this recently. This book, I did my own PR, okay? I've never done my own PR. I've hired, you know, New York-based PR firms, and, and in fact, they probably got me on your show the first time, okay? This time around, I did it myself, and, and I, you know, it was easier to reach out to, you know, people that I already had a relationship with, but I also reached out to people that I didn't have a relationship with, and I got myself booked on, you know, some pretty big programs, and it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have at least tried. And by the way, a bunch of people said no, and then I had people say no over and over and over again, and we just kept hammering them, and then they finally said yes, okay? Because I got to the point where, like, I don't care if they say no. Right, that you always hear the well, salespeople. They say, "Oh, well, I love no's because I'm so much closer to a yes." Nobody likes no's. So let's let's be honest here. Nobody likes no. But in order for you to get the yes, you gotta ask. You gotta sell. And and it's 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 not easy. Even again, like I mean, I think about it. Like I get, I, you know, I, when I get on the phone to try and sell somebody something, um, I get nervous. I don't care what it is. That's just that that you know what that is. That just tells you that you're alive. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, and and you uh, juxtapose that recognition of the fear and the nervousness with the you know one of the points that you brought up in the book, right? Like stop caring and and having a level of like you just right. said, hey, I'm going to ask you three times, and um, you'll respond to that. And ironically enough, I I remember whoever had emailed me, and I can't remember who it was initially. Um, I was on a project uh, in, in another state working, and so I really wasn't paying a lot of attention to my email or anything, but uh, I remember the follow-up, right? Like, hey, I emailed you three days ago, and you didn't get back to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> that's, that's my trick. You know, that's a, right? the best part so, about that. So is, is that, that my got cousin. me engaged. Yeah, the best part about that is, that, is I, that's my cousin um, right out of college, and when I hired her, I kind of gave her – you know, what people will call the come to Jesus meeting. And I just said, look, you know, we don't know each other that well because we didn't really, you know, we weren't close to like growing up. She lives in Vermont. And, and, and I said, you know, let me, let me tell you what it's really like to work for me. And sometimes it's not pretty. And, and, I, and I have a very high expectation for, for everybody. And, you know, you know I say, you know, you've got to be relentless. And she, she I mean, man, I'm so, I'm so happy that I made that decision because it's tough when you hire family members. She, you know the best part too about her, and this is also what's great about being being young sometimes and naive, is she's she's reaching out to people like you know I'll give you an like Elon Musk like she, like right. she's followed up with Elon Musk like three times on LinkedIn. He'll never respond, but you know what? He might, and that would just be awesome, right? And so right. I'm just getting chills just thinking about it. And yeah, I mean, so you have to you just got to go out there and do it. And the, the stop caring thing, man, it's like. I was just talking about this yesterday, man. We, you know, it's it's hard to, to to really be honest with this and say I don't care about how other people think, right? And and I I don't to a certain degree, right? And and I I talk a little bit about that delicate balance between that and your reputation and, w- and what that really means. But I know who I am, right? Deep down inside, I know the things that I'm doing. I know I know the business I'm running. I know the type of father I am, and and and, and so like I, I I'm. I'm comfortable with that, and if if I go out and try and sell people stuff, or I push my book too hard, or I push this too hard, or whatever, and it offends people, well, I'm from Boston. Fuck them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. So uh, let's talk about uh, you know another point in your book that uh, is such a competitive advantage if you embrace it, although. I'm not sure that it should be a competitive advantage, and that's do what you say you're going yeah. to do. And I think about my own history with this, and, and I've worked with clients now for almost a decade in, in coaching and consulting. And one of the things that people say again and again is, you know, Brandon, you follow up, you do what you say you're going to do, and I really appreciate that. And I think, man, why is that a competitive advantage? Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, is that it? Like, I was hoping there was something else, but, you know, that, that's a really big deal. And so so walk me through kind of your philosophy on that and what you see from people who are thinking about running a business or in the infancy of a business in in, in terms of, like, doing what they say they're going to do. Yeah, you know, it, it, it is such a – everything I do is so basic, and so it's, it's like really simple stuff, right? And so when I'm – I'll give you an example. When I, whenever I use outside third parties to help support my business, I tell them there's two things. There's two things, and essentially only two things that I want. One, I want a product that works, okay? So you, you sold me a product. You told me it could do something. 
So I want the pro- I want that product to work. And then two, I want customer service. If we have those two things, then we're going to be in business together for a long time. So that is the fundamental principle of doing what you say you're going to do. The challenge is, is with so many people, they're so eager to to just to, to please and so eager to get the yes and so eager to, to make a sale that they'll go they'll go too far and then and then the, what happens is is then so you you know it happens to me all the time in business I, I the dog and pony shows that that salesmen can put on in my in my conference room and they show me how awesome their stuff is it's amazing right but then when it comes down to the actual implementation and the real and the real work and and the real support and doing the stuff that you said you're going to do then it becomes a problem if it doesn't do what you say it's going to do now look we're big boys we understand things break things don't work or whatever you have you know you have a family issue and all these other things we we get that up stuff happens i we understand that but for the most part if you say you're going to do something you have to follow through it because and i talk about this i think i talk about this in blueprint to business what happens is is if you don't okay it it it, it takes it it takes you know it, it what it withdraws from what i call my emotional bank account okay so you're taking you're, you're you're taking something out of my emotional bank account in other words how i feel about you and, and and it's very very difficult to then make a deposit after you not doing what you say you're going to do and i'll give you like an example like when someone says to me in in the office and this stuff this stuff happens all the time not and actually jenna and i had this exact discussion i said look she's young right out of college I'm a laissez-faire type guy. I hire you. Uh, you know, I want you to get the job done. I don't care if you work 40 hours or 80 hours. I don't care if you work 20 hours. I don't care if you go back to Tim Ferriss's four hours. If you can get the job done in that period of time, great. But here's the challenge. If you tell me that for whatever reason you couldn't do something on Friday and you say, Mike, don't worry about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of it on Saturday and Sunday, and you don't, oh, my, forget it. I mean, you know, the emotional bank account has been closed. Because you didn't do what you said you're going to do, so it's a real basic thing. You know, it, you, you got to follow up and follow through, and you got to do what you're saying you're going to do. It's really, really basic stuff. And it, you know, when just like you, okay, you said you've been doing this for ten years. You've been doing it for ten years for a reason because you are following up and following through. You are doing the things that you say you're going to do, and that's how you build a solid foundation. That's how you build a real business, a long-term business. It doesn't have to be this giant business. Whatever it is, you're doing what you say you're going to do, and it's so simple and basic. And I, and I just really implore people to whatever it is you say you're going to do, you got to follow up, man. And you know, here's the other thing. One other thing. I, I kind of alluded to it a second ago. If something goes wrong, if you can't do it, right, well, what are you going to do? Just avoid it? Put your head in the sand and just act like it didn't happen? No. You have to man up, pick up the phone, whatever it is, walk down the hallway and say to, say to the person that you're doing business with or the person that you have a relationship with, look, man, didn't work out. I'm going to try and fix it. I apologize. Whatever. That's just business. So there is a way to kind of you know, uh, triage it a little bit if things don't work out because that's just life too. Right. You know, absolutely. I mean, I, I think about just a lot of different instances. Podcast interviewing is one of those things. I don't know if you've experienced this, but when we've done promotional tours through podcasts, I'm astounded by the number of podcasters that want to uh, build a following and build a podcast, but then cancel on the very thing that feeds their business, which is their guests. And and we ex- we've experienced so many... <laughs> last-minute cancellations, things like that on shows where I'm like, man, I would never, ever waste someone's time in that manner. And then they wonder why they're 
podcast, for instance, doesn't get the traction that they want. And if we want to lead others well, we have to lead ourselves well first. And so I love that you bring that up because I think that's such an important part of, you know, not only doing what we're, you know, you brought up this up in that chapter, you know, not just doing that for uh, ourselves, but making sure that we do that for our families, you know, our kids, our spouses, everything else, so that we're in integrity in every aspect of our lives so that we can be in integrity in our own business. So uh, I love that you brought that up. Yeah, you know, as it relates to kids, man, like I have an 11-year-old daughter, and, and, and you know what, we're not perfect, right? But if you tell your kid you're going to be at their soccer game and you're not there, they remember that stuff, and they remember it forever. And so I remember, you know, things like that when I was a kid, you know. So, you know, it's it's even more important in your personal relationships. You know, if you say, if you tell, you know, you tell your wife you're going to take the trash out, it sounds so stupid and simple and basic, but if you don't do it, it again, it withdraws from her emotional bank account, and then it builds resentment, and then it just continues to fester, and then it grows and grows. You know what I mean? So, uh, it, it, it's it's something that can be applied to to every aspect of your life. Absolutely. I always think about the movie Liar Liar, right? I don't know why it didn't win an Oscar, but uh, you know Jim Carrey. That whole, the whole premise of that movie was, you know, his son wished that his dad wouldn't tell lies because he kept saying that he would do things for his son and then wouldn't follow through and I, I you know the funny thing about that is that movie was kind of a comedy and a joke but I think about that now that I have four kids making sure that I stay in integrity with what I say that I'm going to do with them and that carries over to a lot of aspects of life so I, I love that you talk about that Thanks. Yeah, and it's even. You know, it's, I mean, you know, when you have when you have four kids, it's even more difficult. I only have one. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's hard, man. You know, but Absolutely. you do your best. Absolutely. So someone goes through this book. They're an early stage entrepreneur, middle stage entrepreneur, wannabe entrepreneur, wherever they're at in their stage of business. They go through this and they make a ruthless commitment to doing the things that are in this book, what's possible for them? So, I mean, virtually anything is possible, right? And so what, the, the book I've laid out, um, essentially, uh, it is a blueprint for, for whatever it is you're trying to do in your business. And, you know, I, I'm an attorney by trade. I talk about the non-sexy side of business, you know, the basics, the fundamentals of things from, you know, your intellectual property to setting up your business properly from a, from a you know, is it going to be an LLC, an S-Corp, C-Corp, what, whatever it is, okay? And, 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 you, and I also lay out a lot of the mistakes that people make and a lot of the mistakes that I've made throughout the year. So you read this book and, and here, you know, this is kind of how I learn. I don't know if you learn this way as well. Like I'll read a book and I'll say, well, man, I, I'm, I'm doing that or I've done that. So it kind of like edifies some of the things that I've done. But right. a lot of times it also makes me think, oh, wow, like, okay, so he talked about, you know, the vodka business and what he did in the vodka business. Well, I'm in the, you know, manufacturing business. I think I could take that same principle and apply it to, to my manufacturing business. So, you know, the things and the stories that I tell in the, business, in, in the book might not necessarily, ha you know, have a direct connect to the business that you're in, but, you know, the basic fundamental principles of business, nothing's really, you know, like you said before, like nothing's really different, nothing's really changing, all the, all, the, all the basics are there. And so I think that when you pick up the book and you read it, I think it's going to inspire you. I think it's going to also, it's going to even caution you on some of the things uh, some of the, the some of the decisions that you might make, I think it's going to. We talked about mitigating the risk, okay, and then help you truly build a foundation so that 
when something could potentially happen, like a catastrophic event happens, you'll have a solid foundation so that you can react, pivot, and do whatever it is you need to do. Right now, as I'm talking to you today, like I, I mentioned earlier, I'm getting kicked in the stomach all the time. Like I, I you know, I, my business is just is, is it's it's volatile. And, and, and I just got kicked, like, not in the stomach, but, you know, where guys don't like to be kicked in business. And, it, and I was like, it kind of caught me off guard, and it could, could have potentially put me out of business. And, it, and, it, and I was like, man, like, like, this literally, like, just happened to me, like, a couple days ago. And so before you and I got on the call, I was on the phone with my executives talking about, okay, so we've done all these great things. We have this great foundation. We have these systems in place. We have backup plans. We have all these other things. It's not perfect. It's a little ugly right now. But because we've been in business so long, because of the, the principles that are in Blueprint to Business, because of the mistakes that we've made that I talk about in the, in the book, we're able to react okay, and make a decision so that we can stay in business. Yeah. I, look, that's so important, right? So I love that. I mean, I love that, uh, you know, I, I love that whole message. So uh, let's, let's talk about uh, the book is out, right? The book came out in November. Yeah, so the book came out November 13th. Uh, it's already a, a Wall Street Journal, USA Today bestseller. We were number one on Amazon in our categories. We were number one overall against all books, against all books on BNN.com, which is uh, almost impossible to do. So we're doing some great things with it. Uh, it actually just got picked up in China. So it's, um, it's really resonating with people. I'm really, really excited. It, um, it's, it's the most honest book I've ever written. Uh, I really, I mean, I open up the, the first couple pages telling you about chaos in my in my business a year ago and i and here i am now and i'm still in chaos and that's the thing that i think people need to understand is like it's i'm not perfect right you know what i mean the blueprint to business is is not perfect but it certainly gives you the the, the real tools the real life aspect of what it's like to be in business i'm not showing you my, you know my ferrari and my nice houses and and watches and all these other things i'm showing you look man these are the things that happen. These are the things that have happened to me. This is how you set up your business and just be prepared for all the things that, that, that can happen. That's what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. That's what it's really like to be in business. It's not the bullshit stuff that you see on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat of people you know, in, in, their, in their beautiful houses and rented Ferraris and all that other stuff because those guys aren't real. There's a couple of them that are. Most of them aren't. I'm as real as it gets. Well, look, I always think that if you have to tell someone how successful you are, you're probably not that successful, um, <laughs> and so that's that's something that I that I always uh, that I always share. I always talk about that. But I love look. I love this, you guys. The the practical, no nonsense nature of what's in the book. It's very honest. It's very realistic. It's it gives you a very good picture of what the business process looks like. The ups and downs, avoiding some of the pitfalls that you know may come your way to do that so go check out the book and then michael if they want more information on you where do they go sure you can just go to michael-alden.com you can find me on instagram twitter snapchat facebook it's at mike alden 2012 so it's mike a-l-d-e-n 2012 i'm pretty active uh there as well and if you want to reach out and if you have you know it's amazing and I love this when people reach out to me and they, you know, they're having questions about business. If you have a question, uh, I'll do my best to try and answer for you. I don't have a consulting business for, you know, for business, so to speak. But I really like to try and help people, especially the young entrepreneurs that are, that are trying to do some great stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Michael, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, 
talk about and share some of the information from Blueprint to Business. Uh, great book. Continue success to you. And again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, so go to newworkrevolution.com. You can uh, read more there, learn more there about the interview. We'll, we'll put the resources on the, short, the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the show. Go check out Michael's book, check out his website, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.